I'm Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, and this is Sam Says, a podcast series focused on Illinois Medicaid managed care. Hello, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with Chris Klassen, Vice President of Healthcare Services for Molina Healthcare of Illinois, to discuss care coordination in the first part of our three-part care coordination series on Sam Says focused on the value of making connections. But before we do that, let me welcome our host, the Sam and Sam Says, Samantha Oldsfry, CEO of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today? I'm well. I'm well. I'm enjoying the start of warm weather here in the Chicago area. How are you? I am doing well. Let's bring in our guest. Uh, as I said earlier, we have Chris Klassen, the Vice President of Healthcare Services for Molina Healthcare of Illinois. Chris, welcome to Sam Says. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we're excited to dive into today's conversation. Uh, we're talking about the critical role of care coordination in addressing social determinants of health. But before we do that, please lay the foundation for our listeners. Uh, what is care coordination and what do care coordinators do? Yeah, so it's a great question. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we have a chance to talk about it because I think a lot of times when people talk about managed care in Illinois and elsewhere, you know, they think about processing claims um, more than anything and, you know, paying hospitals. But if you look at what the managed care organizations do, um, most of our staffing resources are devoted towards care coordination. Um, so it's really, I think it's important that we talk about it. Um, and I think it's a good thing we are. The basic idea for care coordinators is to try to help members get the health care that they need and try to improve better, you know, try to get them to better outcomes. Um, our care coordinators are basically, they're like our members guide to the healthcare system. They're their advocates. Um, that's their main mission. Um, so they do a few, you know, a few things to, um, to help the members. Um, they'll start with a member, you know, they sit down with the member and they, they do what's called an assessment. So they'll sit and talk with the member and find out what's going on with that member. What kind of conditions might they have? Um, what kind of other issues might be present. Um, and from there, they go right into what's called a care plan, which is um, kind of an extension of that assessment. What are you looking for as a member, you know, in your, in your healthcare, or maybe otherwise, what are your goals? What are your, what are the barriers to those goals? How can we get there? How can I help you get there? Um, and that's a, you know, it's a very person-centered process. And the whole idea is to help this member achieve, you know, a better health outcome than they might have achieved on their own. And, and really be that guide. And I love uh, yeah. the description, Chris, and I love how you sort of have outlined and, and reminded us all that this is really the focus and the magic of managed care is care coordination. Um, it's not claims processing. I mean, claims processing is sort of, you know, when it's done well, it we really shouldn't think about it, shouldn't talk about it. You know, it should just be sort of done in the background, but care coordination, is, um, you know, that holding the hand of the member and helping them navigate an incredibly hard, um, you know, and times complex healthcare system. And I like what you said, too, about the care planning being person-centered, um, being their goals. And, and their goals, I think, is, as you're aware and you'll talk about later, aren't always sort of like those traditional clinical goals. Um, and, and they can be addressing social determinants of health, increasing, you know, um, social interactions, reconnecting with family. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, 
clinical. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, the, you're right. The, I mean, the healthcare system is very complex. I mean, anybody who's dealt with it knows that. Um, and there's any number of things that can stand in the way between you and the outcome you want. I mean, it can be those social determinants of health that um, that keep you from getting to care or, or keep it from, from working. It can be, um, you know, every case is different. Every member is different in terms of what they need. It can be um, transportation, getting to that appointment. It can be, um, maybe you don't even know who your provider is or how to find one. Um, we've had case managers and care coordinators um, call hundreds of providers to try to find the provider that'll work for our member. That's not something a member, maybe a member could do that on their own, but you know, very, very difficult. Um, so it can be, you know, it can be transportation, it can be finding a, a, a provider. It can be making sure that two different providers for one member are talking to each other or have the same information. Um, or it can be um, making sure the member understands what's going on. I mean, a lot of times that's a lot of the value that our team brings is that they, you know, a doctor's office can be an intimidating place, a hospital can be an intimidating place. Um, and they can throw a lot at you at once. And if you're not a, if you're not accustomed to that, um, it's a lot to take in. And it's very important that you be able to. So um, our care coordinators also try to bridge that gap, try to make sure that people understand the care that they're getting and understand the decisions that they need to make. And as I'm listening to you, I'm almost thinking like a care coordinator almost functions like a really well-informed, engaged, um, almost like family member. Like, so, you know, helping somebody navigate the system, making sure that they understand, um, you know, they are, what's going on, are medications being stopped, are medications being added, sort of what are the next steps. But then also depending on the member, engaging with that family as well, taking that burden off of, you know, the member, the family, um, and really helping, you know, find those providers, making sure that those providers are coordinating. I mean, I know, you know, from personal experience, we've had to do that, like in our own family of making sure that one specialist is talking to another specialist for some complex care. And it's not necessarily easy to do, um, but having a professional um, with the background that these care coordinators, these very trained, experienced care coordinators do is a real difference and, and um, really empowers the Medicaid member to get the best care that they they receive. And to that end, are there any members that sort of benefit more from case management or care coordination than than others or sort of how are you targeting um, this key, uh, you know, value that managed care brings? Yeah, I will say, you know, when you say it's kind of like a member of the family, I will say we get success stories sometimes. And I've heard that phrase, like this, this care case manager, care coordinator helped our family or is like the person we'll go to as a family. Um, so in the best situation, that's what we, that's what our team becomes. So it's really, you hit on something that we're, when it comes out that way, we're very proud of when that happens. As you um, should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who can benefit from care, care coordination case management? The answer to that is everybody can. And actually under the Illinois Medicaid managed care program, um, anybody who wants case management or care coordination, all they have to do is ask and they will be, they will be given a, a case manager or a care coordinator. Um, so anybody can get it and anybody can benefit from it. Um, but you know, not everybody does ask for it. Um, and for the most part, it's, we're trying to find those members who we think could benefit from it. Um, we do, there's a lot of things we do to try to find those members. Um, we, 
we uh, analyze all the claims that we have, all the, you know, the medical history, we'll look at pharmacy data. Um, there are other databases we can pull from to plug into you know, predictive algorithms uh, to try to find those members who may be at higher risk, more impactable. Um, we take referrals from providers, um, which is actually in terms of members converting into a case management program, aside from member self-referral, of course, um, is our highest success rate is when our providers bring us somebody and say, hey, this member could benefit from case management. Um, and then we talk to, to members in general and we, you know, we hear what their problems might be and we say, okay, maybe you'd be interested in case management. And the type of members that often become targeted for, for that type of intervention, um, often it's members who um, have impairments in their activities of daily living, all members who are in a nursing facility or have that level of need um, get a case manager. That's part of the Illinois Medicaid program. Um, we're looking for members who have complex medical needs or multiple complex medical needs um, or members who are in members who have you know chronic conditions that it is something that you can manage if you understand what you need to do to manage it, you know, diabetes, hypertension, these are things, these are conditions that um, you can have a better outcome if you are taking, you know, good steps towards that. Um, and then members who are in, you know, sometimes members are in transitory or situations that make them more vulnerable and add a lot of uncertainty to their situation. And that's also a really great time for us to try to step in and help. Absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, basically, um, you know, folks who, uh, you know, have a lot of doctors that need to be coordinated, or mm -hmm. there's a lot of moving pieces, or they're particularly at risk, um, really benefiting from care coordination. If you're a member of, of Molina or really any plan, um, and you think you or a family member could benefit from care coordination. You just call the member services line. Is, is that the, the phone number on the back of their health plan card? Is that, that how you would make that request? That is absolutely right. That's all they have to do. And if you're a clinician, you're a doctor, and you've got a patient that you think, okay, this patient, you know, has a lot going on. Maybe we need to improve some medication adherence, maybe, you know, whatever it may be. How do they sort of recommend a member for care coordination? How do they make that recommendation? Yeah, that can be any number of ways. I mean, they don't usually call the member services line. Um, they could, most of the providers know our avenue for doing it, which is there's an email address that that we use that they like to to uh, send to, cmescalationil at molinohealthcare.com. Um, but also, you know, they're working with us anyway, probably. Um, so they they kind of know who to talk to, and they'll they'll refer people over. Um, but it's more regular interaction. I mean, they can say, and and yeah. you have members that'll help them if they don't know, find that point of connection. Yes, and we're, I think all of the managed care organizations, including Molina, are, you know, always work with providers to make sure they know where that channel is. Absolutely. And, and to that end, you know, we're talking about collaboration. Providers are a key component of this. Health plans, I like to think of the health plan care coordination as sort of like the person holding the hand as, as we walk through this, um, you know, the complex industry of healthcare, but health plans aren't providing direct care. They're not, you know, they're not the doctor that is, you know, administering a vaccine. They're not the surgeon or, you know, what the specialist, whatever that may be. So collaborating with providers is a, a 
big part of this if we're going to improve health outcomes. How does that work? Um, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, it absolutely is a huge part. I mean, the, our provider partners have a direct impact on, very direct impact on our on our members' uh, well-being. Um, so, you know, we work with our providers in a number of ways. Of course, all the managed care organizations have uh, provider teams who work with providers on the, the things you'd expect, um, contracting, overall relationships, things like that. But from the case management and care coordination perspective, um, first thing we do is a lot of the stuff that you and I just talked about a little bit earlier about educating members, um, you know, outreaching members. A lot of that is kind of an extension of what providers do. Um, you know, it's after you have that appointment, you know, if we, if we talk about that appointment with you later, it's really, it's kind of just a different part of the same transaction. You know, it's, it's a partnership, even if it's not explicit, even though a lot of times that, you know, there is obviously a conversation there with us and the providers. Um, and we, we support the providers in other ways. We will outreach the member. If we know there's an appointment coming up, we'll outreach and make sure they know about the appointment. I mentioned transportation, getting members to their appointments. So there are things like that that are kind of included in the, the activities I already mentioned that I look at as partnering with the providers to provide care. There's also other things we do. Um, I, you and I talked about referrals um, into care management. Um, we also, at Molina at least, I think probably with other managed care organizations, one of the advantages we have is that, you know, a provider has data about the member for the visits that the members had with that provider. We have data for all of the providers that members visited while they're with us and sometimes before. Um, so, and we wanna share that data, you know, we want to make that available. Uh, we provide reports to our um, to our providers about overall, how are you doing with the, the Molina population that you serve with various quality metrics um, and other important metrics? How do you, how does it look here? How are you stacking up? Um, where are the opportunities? Um, and then we also share information about individual members, you know, on a member by member basis, we'll share that care plan that we talked about. What are the members goals and obstacles? Um, so on both a population and a member, specific basis, we're really doing our best to try to make sure the provider has the information they need, just like we try to make sure the member does. And I love that because I don't think there are many doctors or healthcare providers out there who don't want to do a great job and don't okay. want to improve quality for the members that they serve, but they have a lot of blind spots and just sort of not knowing, you know, I've prescribed something to my member or to my patient. Are they picking it up? Are they taking it? Like, you know, yeah. are they able to get to that specialist that I referred them to, you know, sort of that there's, they see one piece, they see uh, of the puzzle. And so having the health plan there to say, you know, here's all the data and here's all the data for this one member, but here's the data for your whole panel, um, all the patients you're serving. And here's how you compare to, you know, the other doctors or the other hospitals or the other FQHCs in this region and in the state, it's really powerful and it really is an important tool um, and just touch point of how are we improving care? Um, what is the current landscape look like? And, and how do we get to that next step? Where are our gaps? And I think that's key because you, I don't believe you can really improve unless you're measuring and using data. 
right? Like you can try, you can hope you improve, but unless you're tracking it, um, you know, you, you don't have any insight into where your opportunities are, where your gaps are, um, and, and where you're exceeding uh, past performance. So I think that's so that that collaboration and that data is critical and such an important piece of this. And, and as we sort of wrap up this discussion, Chris, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about sort of the bigger elephant in the room for the last 15 months, and that would be be COVID and how that impacted case management, care coordination, and specifically, I think, around social determinants of health, because I think it really laid bare the inequities within our system, within our society, the challenges that our members face, um, and, and the health plans, I think, had to really step up and help um, help our members sort of, you know, navigate just a, a unprecedented time. So you can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what your case managers and care coordinators did, and, and maybe, you know, even a member example or sort of success story about like what this looks like when it's working, even in the most challenging of times? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the point about the inequities that are either highlighted or exacerbated or both by um, COVID, um, I was actually talking to uh, a team, one of our teams yesterday about uh, we're, we're getting ready to start a bigger outreach project to try to connect members with vaccines. And I was telling them, this is actually, you know, there's a lot of great work we do, but if you put this in one in historical context, you know, this is a historical health event that we're, that we're pushing through here. But it's also, it's something that it does address inequities and it's inequities that are, you know, emerging and becoming um, you know, more highlighted um, as you see that what the toll of, of COVID is. So the work you're going to be doing here is addressing that. You know, you're, you're going to be doing really great work. You should be really proud that you'll be a part of this. Um, so I'm, you know, it's a good point to highlight. Um, going back for the whole 15 months in COVID, you know, like for case managers, just like everybody else, it's been a lot of adaptation and there've been I kind of think of it as three phases. I remember when it first started 15 months ago and the lockdowns first began, there wasn't a lot of information out there. You know, we were, um, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion. I remember um, getting on a phone call with the leadership in my department on a Sunday night and we were thinking about, okay, what do we tell everybody to do on Monday? Um, Because, you know, there was just so much uncertainty and what we decided on is, is that um, nobody, including our members, really knows what's going on. Let's, let's type up, let's figure out what the, uh, what the major talking points are here. What are, the, what are the major things people need to know that we can tell them? And let's just call all our members and tell them what we know about, about COVID, about how they can be safe um, and check in on them. Make sure they're not, they're not isolated, make sure they have the social supports that they need. And we found at that stage, um, the feedback we got from our members was really positive. We actually found that they were spending more time on the phone with us than they normally would because they wanted that interaction and they appreciated that we were reaching out. Um, So that was, I think of that as phase one. Phase two, I think, is that we started to adjust a little bit. Um, People that you know, worked in an office, know this very well, that a lot of things, you know, we're, we're talking now on Zoom. Um, so a lot moved to that telepresence 
um, approach. And the medical system has adapted in the same way. Uh, telehealth has become much more prevalent. Um, so that second phase is finding ways to get people care despite some of the changes that might be going out in the world. And telehealth is a main is a major part of that. Um, hopefully an, uh, something that can continue because I think it's a really great benefit for everybody involved. Um, and then you get to what I think of as a third stage, which is where we are now, which is that in less than a year, we've gone from a disease that we didn't even understand to having a vaccine that basically stops it, um, which is really incredible. So this, this stage we're at now is trying to give people access to that vaccine, make sure that they know how to get it, uh, make sure that they uh, that we're providing them all the information we can so they know the advantages of it. Um, so that's what we're doing now is reaching out to members to try to make that connection with them and, and this the vaccine. I, I love that. Um, and thank you, Chris, for really walking us through those phases and, and how you guys have been there every step of the way. And even in some simple ways, just the human interaction of this is what we know and we're here if you need us down to um, this is how we're going to get you the vaccine and this is how we're going to get you back on the path to norm normalcy. So yeah. thank you. No, it was, it, was, uh, it was great to hear. I did skip one part of your question I just realized, which is um, you asked if I had any kind of a specific member example of how we can support like their, their non-healthcare needs, particularly these days. Um, and I do think that's important to touch on. I mean, we started talking about that. There are so many things that can impact your health outcomes that are not strictly medical. Um, you, you know, if you can't, uh, if you have food insecurity, if you're experiencing homelessness, um, these are things that are gonna, no matter how good the doctor is that's treating you, the medical advantages are not gonna hold or you're not gonna get to that doctor if you have some of these, these barriers. Um, so our case managers, um, consider that. We ask them to look at the whole person um, and everything that, that is needed to go into their, their health outcomes and try to solution for that. Um, we had a, a recent story that kind of, I think, sums it up pretty well. What we can do uh, to help vulnerable members is we had a, within the last months, we had a member, six years old, went to the hospital for a minor procedure. And it turned out, they found out during the procedure, the child had leukemia. Um, so this poor child, you know, he's stuck in the hospital and the leukemia, you know, it was treated, but he couldn't go home because in order to go home, the doctor said he had to have his own bedroom um, just for, um, you know, for safety purposes. And his family couldn't afford that type of house. They couldn't afford the gas to go visit him. Um, so it's, you know, it's the, the doctors are doing everything right in this situation but nobody wants that child to have to be separated from his family and, and stuck in the hospital. And the only thing standing in the way are those social determinants. So our case manager with some help from um, some other people here who, who work with social determinants, um, including our housing coordinator, uh, stepped in and we found um, a housing placement, a supported housing placement for this member and their family where he has his own room, it's an actual home uh, we helped them apply for social security income so that the, the family could have a, a steady income for, for some of these things. And then we also connected them with um, other resources like you know, food banks and, and coalitions that provide some of the, the simple things that you need to move into a, a home. Um, so this, you know, this boy was reunited with his family um, because we were able to do this work. 
So I think that when you talk about social determinants and you talk about the work that case managers do, I think that story encapsulates it. I think that is when it's working at its best, that's how we can help. It really does. That, wow. that, thank you, Chris. That story is really moving. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, Chris, thank you for sharing that. And I think that that, that gives us a, a good spot to, to, to wrap this episode on. I mean, we could have talked about this for a while, but I think that that story in particular really highlights the issue. And I think really uh, ties up the conversation with you and Sam today nicely. Uh, we, we appreciate you and, and, and Melina being a part of this conversation. Uh, and, and hope that you'll come back and continue talking to us. I mean, you and I could listen to you and Sam talk for hours. So I hope that uh, you'd be willing to come back and talk to us again in the future. Absolutely. It was nice to talk to you. All right. Well, again, a special thank you to Molina Healthcare and Chris for taking some time to talk with us today. Sam, before we wrap, anything in particular that you found interesting or something that you hadn't considered prior to the conversation with Chris? You know, what I love about care coordination is is really that's why I'm, I do my job I and mean, that's what makes me excited to work with these health plans is sort of the work that they can do and just realizing sort of the spectrum of that work um, that I we got to talk about today whether it's just a phone call to say this is what we know about COVID if you know the, this is how you can get a hold of us if you need something to let me get you a vaccine appointment and a, um, cover transportation to and from that vaccination appointment to you know this this critically ill child and this family going through what I can only imagine to be the most heartbreaking and, and painful experience of, of their life and having a team there to make it a bit better, right? Like to give them a sense of normalcy, to find them a house that their son can come home to, to get those pieces in place, um, to, to provide stability that they so desperately need. I think just realizing the spectrum or the continuum of care coordination and the value that it adds to the Medicaid and the healthcare system that wouldn't exist were it not for these health plans. I think that is always um, just helpful to see again and to discuss. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Uh, folks, we appreciate you tuning in today uh, for another episode of Sam Says. If you've liked what you've heard, I encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at iamhp.net to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. And I also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you're interested in becoming a trusted partner like Molina Healthcare, I encourage you to reach out to I'm Hip's Chief Operating Officer, Elena Kennedy, or again, visit the website at imhip.net. On behalf of Sam and the wonderful team at I'm Hip, again, I'm DeRondo Beverly with the Gemini Group. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.